Okay, y'all. Welcome to episode six of the Eat, Drink, Travel, Y'all podcast. I am Steph for your host. I am so excited today to have Chef Abishar Barua, currently on Top Chef season 18 of Service Bar and Little West Spirits in Columbus, Ohio, um, has done a lot of cool things and has a lot of fun stuff going on. Chef, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thanks for hosting me. It sounds like a good opportunity to talk to some of my friends, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, um, let's just start off by saying cheers. We are both drinking um, some beautiful spirits right now, are we not? We are. Uh, we did make them, so... <laughs> I know. I feel so stupid because I've been watching you on Top Chef every week. I've been following you on Instagram. I'm doing the whole fangirl thing. And then I didn't realize that that you that Middle West Spirits was connected to uh, your restaurant and that you were so involved in the spirit industry. Yeah, I mean, it was actually a very interesting offer. Uh, kind of started with my I was going to open my own restaurant. I was like, I'm done working with everyone. I came back from New York City and uh I said I would never work for another person ever again. But then I got this random message on Facebook, um, and it was from someone from this company. And they were like, hey, we're a local company. Are you interested in working with us? And I was like, yeah, let's just see what they are. And they're like, oh, we're Middle West Spirits. I was like, oh, you guys, you guys make liquor. You know, you guys make, you make, you guys make a decent bourbon, and you're in Ohio. I haven't really heard of that before. So I was like, yeah, let's see what happens. Maybe I'll get a couple of bottles of bourbon out of it. And here I am now. So. <laughs> and did you get a couple of bottles of bourbon out of it? I have I to add. I did. I got some special ones. They were uh, they're ones that we're working on right now. They're a sherry cask. So it's like a bourbon that goes, it'll go like five to seven the first for the first aging. And then it'll go out into all the rest of sherry barrels again for at least a year in the sun. So they get this awesome like flavor. Like that's one of the ones that I tried. And I was like, holy crap, this, this is from Ohio. Like I'm very surprised. I've lived here my entire life and I've never experienced something like that. Yeah. Not a lot of distilleries in Ohio, or is that right? <laughs> uh, there used to be. So Ohio happens also, in addition to being the birthplace of aviation, it was also the, the birthplace of Prohibition. So Prohibition was in Westerville, Ohio, and my uncle actually has a convenience store that has a liquor store now in Westerville, Ohio. So that's a full circle there. You know, we turned it around. But that was uh, it was very difficult to, to open up a distillery. We, I think we were number four, DSP number 48 in, in, the, in 2009. And since then, there's over like 4,000 distilleries. It's crazy. So it's awesome to see. Wow. Amazing. Well, and you were so kind. So I had the, the pleasure. We are not actually sitting beside each other right now. This is a Zoom situation. But um, Avishar and I were both in Seattle about a week and a half ago. And he was so nice to bring me a bottle of this beautiful um gin that 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 you guys do that i'm holding up to the screen right now it's so it's so lovely and um we both decided we were going to make cocktails before <laughs> this interview to make it extra fun yeah. i have a gin martini um my boyfriend insisted he was like you cannot put this in like a gin and tonic you have to drink this as a martini you have to oh, actually i should have consulted him before because this is a gin and tonic yeah. <laughs> <Oops>. <laughs> hey, all right there <laughs> Well, you know, I hadn't gotten a gin. I hadn't actually opened it yet, Avishar. So it was my very first impression of the gin. So, so he, what do you think? What do you think of it? Actually, I'm, I'm genuinely curious because uh, genuinely curious. Genuinely, uh, sorry, they come out automatically now. I can't control no, it. It's 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 lovely. Um, it's been a long time since I had a gin martini, which is basically just cold gin. Um, and we did put a twist, uh, a lemon in this one. Nice. It's it's delicious and um, surprisingly very very drinkable and i think that makes this dangerous <laughs> yeah that's a problem that uh so actually i uh, when i was working at middle west we had some time before the restaurant opened up so they're like hey uh, you seem to have an idea of palates and gin is a beverage that out of all the liquors that you make uh, gin is is almost like a perfume right so like with bourbons uh you can taste notes of things that come out of the barrel but with gin you have to put the botanicals in so it's really important uh know kind of your blend of botanicals and how, how they apply to the flavor after it's distilled and before they're distilled. So like, hey, you probably have a palate. Why don't you make a gin? They did not know that gin was only only liquor that I, I don't typically drink because when I was in high school, I, I uh, sorry, when I was 21, uh, I, I got into a, a, a strange game that we played and uh, we had involved doing shots of gin and it was just, it was bad. It was, I, I got sick all over the place and I could never drink it again. So they're like, oh, well, if you can make a, a gin that you can drink, then I'm sure, well, sure, everyone else will like it too. So it was a scary experience, but uh, but we did it. So it was, uh, it was, it was fun. We took a and you did, did you succeed? Uh, yeah, you can tell me. Did, did, I, I, I do. I'm, I'm drinking it right now, so uh, I think that means yeah, okay, that, no, that first. You've got, the, you've got the whiskey beside you, but you're actually drinking a gin and tonic. Correct. Yes, I have them both. So you know, that had to show off the other bottles too. We have some pretty cool, really cool bottles. They're all made in Ohio too. So it's oh, nice, but, beautiful, yeah. 
ending is 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 really nicely done and the the spirit is is really nice but um before we get into talking about spirits and food and ohio let's backtrack just a minute and tell everyone just how you got into cooking. I mean, um, your parents are from India and then you were born in Ohio. So just kind of take us through the quick version of, of Avishar, to, uh, like being born to Avishar the chef. Sure. Uh, Avishar the chef is a, is a new thing. It's not like an entire life thing. Um, and also Avishar the chef sounds weird because I think I'm a cook. Like I don't really like the clipboards and the stuff. I like to burn myself and uh, learn and mess up and taste things a lot and then gain too much of a crying process. But uh, as I started off, uh, my parents actually came from uh, Bangladesh. And at the time, Bangladesh uh, had just become a country. It, was, uh, it had gained independence. And uh, they had actually left Bangladesh to come to America to find some opportunities in the future. My dad uh, was studying medicine. He wanted to be a doctor. Uh, so they came. Um, and they kind of moved between Ohio uh, and Michigan. Um, they went to Toledo for a while. My brother was born in Toledo. Then they went back to Michigan. And then uh, they came back to Columbus. And I was actually born in Columbus, uh, when that had started, he'd gotten his residency and he'd been working for Ohio Health for a while. So medicine was kind of like the the pathway for both of us, both my brother and I. We really didn't have any any choice or ideas just because, uh, you know, they'd come from a place where uh, there was not a lot, uh, a lot of, you know, it was it was a lot of struggle. And they wanted to make sure that the kids did not have to, uh, like we didn't have to go through the similar struggles they wanted the best for us. So they tried to, you know, make us push in the direction of getting into a professional degree and figuring that out. So my goal was always a uh, my, I mean, my path was always medicine, so that was the way that I was supposed to go, and I didn't really know anything other than that. So once I had gone to college for the first time, I'd left home, um, moved in uh, with my best friend, uh, lived across from the Ohio State University, the Ohio State University, of course. Just got to say that. Um, I realized that I, I actually uh, I didn't have like any any uh, any food. Like there was like there was no food in my fridge automatically because my mom would always make me food. So we we're like, what are we gonna do? How are we gonna make food? So I. I did this. I went to the library and I got this book called uh, Chinese Cooking for Dummies by Martin Yan. I was like, yeah, I can figure this out, I think. Um, and then, uh, you know, I followed the recipe exactly to the teeth, so much so that my apartment almost burned down uh, twice. So my roommate was there. He, he, he was a witness to, to both these times. He's like, hey, uh, I think you're supposed to put water in that pan. I was like, I don't think so. And then literally like caught on fire and we were like freaking out a little bit. But we were also just like, it's, it's OK, I'm going to put it out. Uh, the alarm went off for sure the first time when I first went to stir fry. I was told that you have to preheat the thing like really hot, like really, really hot. So I left it on the stove for like an hour and a half. Uh, and then I, oh, I, threw yeah. it. I was like, I want to make this spicy. So I, I, bought the, I bought these peppers and I didn't know much about peppers at the time. Like this is in college. So this is very fairly recent. You know, I'm 18 years old. That's right. I look very young, right? So this is <laughs> years, right? Yeah. Um, I, I was just like, oh, this is, this is gonna be awesome. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna make a spicy. I'm gonna throw these chilies in. And these chilies, I didn't know anything about them. I'm like they're small. They can't be that spicy. At the time, uh, yeah, they were they were orange. They looked like lanterns. They're called habanero peppers. And I was like, oh, how bad could this be? I threw it in, and it just like erupted in this cloud of smoke. And the smoke was like, it was like tear gas. Like I couldn't breathe. And that went into, a, into our neighbor's place. And our neighbors like left. They ran out of the building because they thought they were being tear gas. Like it was a, it was a great, uh, great introduction to uh, my professional career as a, as a chef. So, oh my God. So that's how it all started. That's how it all started. Yeah. I was like, hey, this is kind of cool. This is kind of cool. I'm going to keep doing this. So. so Chinese food though, that was your foray. And why, right. I mean, I'm curious, why, why'd you go pick up a how to cook Chinese food? Did you grow up? Did your mom cook Chinese food? Did you just like Chinese food? Like. Uh, my mom cooked usually she cooked she would cook like three meals at home uh, and it was like the most practical way to live basically my mom would always cook because uh you know they'd go to the local grocery store we had a mire over there see what was on sale and then combine that uh with other stuff to make make food but she would always prepare prepare food so going out was like a luxury to us it was like a treat to us um and going to a nice restaurant was two options uh if we were going as a family which is you don't just go as like just us it would have to be with like you know my brother my uncles and everyone else because uh, you know, they have brothers and sisters that are also there. So it's like, hey, let's go, let's go out to eat. It would always be Chinese food because it was practical to feed a lot of people for pretty cheap. And mm -hmm. we just like, we just really identify with the flavors. Uh, in uh, Bangladesh and Bangladesh, um, when you go out to eat, it's usually like back in the day, it was also, you go and you go, you go eat Chinese food. That's kind of like the, the way it is. And it's, it's, uh, it's very like nostalgic to me. Like some of the stuff that I first enjoyed, like actually, because I, I used to hate food, I did not like eating anything other than candy. Um, I was a big, big into sweets. Uh, I was so bad. Like, like sometimes I would just have candy. Like during Halloween, I would do the pillowcase trick. You'd fill the whole pillowcase with candy. Um, and then my, my parents would hide it 
uh, like in a really high place and I would climb up like the, I'd like find a way to climb up these shelves and eat all the candy and then like they would come back and they're like they knew it was me because I would always leave the banana runs like I hate banana like fake banana flavor for some reason I can't eat it. so there's like we know it's you because you left the banana runs and everyone else in my family eats banana runs so so it was very it was I thought it was being smart but apparently I was not so clever at the time <laughs> I'm with but, you banana runs are trash candy yeah. okay? I, 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 I'm not going to make any strong opinions because everyone's entitled to their opinion but I don't, like everyone's got like a an artificial flavor they like and an artificial flavor they hate like i banana artificial banana just somehow it just does not go well with me like i can't i get like disappointed sometimes because we used to also go to like cheap buffets uh and there's always like pudding and i was like cool vanilla pudding and it'd be banana pudding and it was like banana flavor like ah this is so disappointing i don't want banana flavored pudding i want vanilla let pudding, down. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly so, so that was kind uh, of the start of it yeah so um so you mentioned uh you know we're talking a little bit about the you know the influence your mom cooking and y'all going out to eat and, and going to chinese restaurants a lot and right before this we were talking a little very quick pre-interview and you mentioned that you had traveled a little bit in china and i would love to talk about that experience a little bit and how it it shaped you as a chef sorry to get off track here for no, a this second. is great um so at the very beginning actually uh so when i was going in school uh when you were in school, we had to like learn a language, right? So the options were, uh, for us, were Spanish, um, Latin, or Chinese. And I was like, I'm going to learn Chinese because then I can read Chinese menus. This is how long ago, like I didn't really appreciate food. But I was like, I want to know what I'm ordering from this restaurant. So yeah. I thought I thought that was going to be my foray into learning how to make Chinese food. Uh, unfortunately, it was not. It was very difficult. Uh, the Chinese language has a lot of characters, uh, and it's a, uh, it's very very complicated. Uh, it's cool. It's really cool. I took uh, eight years of Chinese actually, and then I took uh, one year in college. So it was. It was Oh my god! So like you're taking like Mandarin? Yeah, Mandarin. Uh, we learn Mandarin and we learn traditional Mandarin nowadays. They use simplified characters, but uh, yeah, a lot, lot of Mandarin. Um, and it was again, it was great fun. But then like when we got over to the crafty part, because uh, our our teacher was she was very very kind, and was spreading the culture all the time too. So we would make things like we would make dumplings and make bubble tea. Uh, she taught us origami and. I'm very bad at like folding things and cutting things evenly. So, so I would, I was, I would just be like, can you show me the next step? And she would just make this thing for me. She's like, okay, it's done. Are you happy now? I was like, I don't, I just can't do it. I'm trying my best, but I, for some reason, angles don't work with me. I, I don't know. I have a hard time learning some things sometimes, but uh, yeah, so the Chinese was, uh, was always kind of in, in like, it was always stuck with me uh, as something that I wanted to learn and pick up on. And in ninth grade, actually, we had a class field trip to China. So we went, uh, we had a sister city of Columbus called uh, Hefei. So we had pen pals over there. And it was our opportunity to meet them. So we went to uh, Beijing, uh, Shanghai. We went to uh, Hangzhou. Uh, we went to Xi'an. Uh, we went to several cities. And it was uh, it was cool because that was like my first exposure to Chinese Chinese food. I've had like Americanized Chinese food in my entire life. And Which is not the same, right? <laughs> it, it, it is. It is and it isn't. Uh, some stuff. It's yeah. It is not the same. It's getting better, I think. Um, and, and you're in ninth grade when you're over in, in Beijing. Yeah, it was hilarious because there was still a lot of tension going on. So when we had arrived, I had all the really scary stories. They're like, make sure you lock your doors. Make sure you don't say anything crazy on the phone because they're gonna tap you. Like all these things are said, and you're like, ah, this is terrifying. Is it gonna be okay? And um, I remember, like, the, the thing that I remember the most about Beijing at the time was it was, like, everything about the city was awesome, but we got hit by, I have a history of bad luck, so every time you hear a story, it'll involve something bad happening. That's just the way it is, which is cool. It's, uh, I, can, I now expect that. I prepare for the worst during the best times, and during the best times, I expect something bad to happen to you. So, um, uh, so you're uh, weird. <laughs> basically, yeah. Um, I have, yeah, and you'll see I have this curse. It's a, it goes, every, in everything that I do in my life, you'll find that there's always, like, a, a strong counterpoint, which is like, how are you still smiling? It doesn't make any sense. Uh, but we went and there was a, there was actually a, a sandstorm. There had never been, there hadn't been a sandstorm that big in like 50 years. Are so you saying half, a sand sandstorm? Like Darude, yeah, like sandstorm, like an actual sandstorm. So it was, uh, it was pretty crazy. Uh, we got, yeah, we got completely, is this better for Artie, by the way? Yeah, no, I can hear you fine. Okay, cool. I'm making sure I heard what you said correctly. I did not know they had sandstorms in Beijing. I did not. Uh, no one prepared us for that. So we uh, <laughs> bought some, uh, we haggled. So not only, so my mom went when we found this trip, which is hilarious because uh, my mom's from Bangladesh. So we're used to like haggling with people. So she's like, everyone needs a scarf. So she found a street vendor and she's like, I'm going to buy 20 scarves. Sell me these scarves. And they're like, we'll sell it to you for basically like $5. She's like, no, I'll give you $1. And you're going to sell it to me for $1. And we, she bought us all scarves for $1, basically. <laughs> <laughs> They were like, man, your your mom is so cool. And I was like, yeah, I guess I guess she is. It's it's weird, right? <laughs> Here I was trying my entire life. My mom ends up being the cool one. So <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's amazing. And so, I mean, do you at this age? Obviously, you got into cooking like when you were in college. So I guess you're what about fourteen at this time? This is before that. Were you very interested in the food when you were there, or I mean, I was always like kind of adventurous, I guess, because uh, we went to places that the like we had a an itinerary, a place that we were gonna go. 
Um, and then there was obviously some stuff that was for the Western palate. Like we went to KFC or McDonald's just to like see what it was like in China. Yeah. I mean, it's different over there. I remember being in Shanghai a few years ago and I was taking the train um, to Xi'an and I was like, oh, a, a KFC. I just need like something normal. You know, I, I just like, remember it was like very, uh, so we thought it was going to be nice. Mac and cheese. Okay. Yes. They did not have like American normal KFC. I was like, Okay. <laughs> it's definitely altered for the palate. And the, the funniest thing about the entire trip was the only time someone got food poisoning, they got it from McDonald's. It was, it was like literally, it. it was the only place that they ever ate everything. And uh, we, <laughs> like, I, I would wander off. Like, my teacher was very upset because, you know, you got all these people in ninth grade that have, like, they've left America and they're coming. They're your response for all these kids in China. And yeah. it, it was like, they allowed us this to happen. So, you know, everyone's got their eyes on us. And I was just like, <laughs> I'm going to go see that. And just like, I would always be gone. So at one part we walked through, walked through the night market and I saw the bugs and I was like, I'm going to eat these bugs right now because whether I, I enjoyed food or not, I always wanted to try new stuff. So I tried everything. I literally like, I tried silkworm. I tried cockroach. It's, it's fine. It was great. It was, it was amazing. It was a, uh, it was like, uh, I had no palate in food and it tasted not so bad. So I, I think it's okay. Right. <laughs> like, no, that, that I think that's amazing. I mean, um, so how long were you over there? Like a, a couple weeks, a month? Uh, it was, I believe it was three weeks total. Um, and yeah. so we were kind of hustling. We went um, plane to bus, bus to train. We hit, hit kind of everything very fast. But every place we stopped, uh, we hit some of the landmarks. We went to, we went to Beijing. We hit the the uh, Peking Duck Restaurant, the one that's like 10 stories tall. It's been there forever. Yes. And that was, it was like we watched the knife skills. We watched this gentleman just cut this one duck into like 500 pieces and just like stood there with our jaws dropped the entire time. Um, I was very excited to eat the organs and everything too. And everyone else was like, Oh, you eat that? I was like, Yeah. I mean, you're in China. Eat everything. Like just just try. Yeah, it. you eat everything in China. I don't know even what all I ate when I was in China because you literally just go in and point at something on a menu half the time if you're not in a you know touristy era. And there's not there's not a lot of English speaking people or English in in even like the big cities in China. It's definitely uh it's it's not the easiest place that i've ever been um as for far sure as it's uh it is complete and also like the language uh uh so tense is different in english you know we speak this way uh this this and that um in chinese it's sometimes backwards where you say he this that and then in bengali it's somewhere in between so i know like three different so when i speak sometimes and i speak incorrectly it's because i'm transitioning between three different languages and the i can pick up the words but again like the the place of grammar is very difficult where when you start with like instead of saying i own this you say own this me and like in bengali like damar which is what you would say instead of i own this so it always 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 weird uh because it just automatically happens but like people ask me all the time like how do you think in english or bengali or like how do you how does your mind work and i was like i don't know it just sometimes it comes that way and sometimes it, i don't actually think about how i think it's just interesting happens, right? no I, <laughs> I i often wonder that too i'm i'm a typical american ashamed to say i speak one language a very little bit of spanish um i can say thank you in almost every language if i've been to a country that's like the only word that i always learn is thank you so i may thank people in their in their language but um okay so so cool you got that experience at such a, a young age and exposed you to a, a, a different culture how cool to be able to go to china in ninth grade so let's let's backtrack a little and go back to college where you're almost burning down your apartment you're I, I think you're like in medical school and you're just starting to get like excited about cooking you bought this book so how do you end up like you know cooking in, in sure. new york uh, finish finish the story for how you end up in your first restaurant Sure. So, I mean, honestly, uh, the first restaurant happened. So it was an undergrad. Um, I actually did not end up uh, going to medical school. I, I got in, but I did not um, I did not pursue. I took the MCAT. Um, and at the end of that test, it kind of like I realized that I'm really bad at uh, a lot of conventional education. Like I don't take tests well. I can sometimes understand material and it takes me a long time to process things and then I can get it. But I have a very hard time like writing that back down, like in a situation where there's time, interesting, in a, in a high pressure situation where you're forced to make very quick decisions. Sometimes I have issues. Um, <laughs> it's been a historical thing for me. So that's, again, uh, it'll, it'll come. Like, this is, if you, if you have to write this as a story, it'll come back recurring themes in this entire conversation you'll hear. <laughs> it is. Yeah. It, it is. Uh, it was, uh, I had no, uh, no intention of going to culinary school. I had no intention of cooking professionally. I just, um, my brother had a restaurant and I worked there. Um, and I was really interested in the process. Like, it was really cool to see. I did a lot of science sort of things. And uh, the science thing is like, um, my idea of science isn't like, hey, science is this body of knowledge. I think science is a process. It's a way you approach things like, hey, let me think about how I can produce this result many times. That's how I, I think scientifically. Not like, 
hey, this article says this, so it must be true. That's nowadays, sometimes people think that's science. Uh, that isn't, that's a drawing conclusion. Um, <laughs> so uh, I was I was interested in the scientific method and the process. It was really cool to learn about stuff. And psychology was actually the one that stuck out to me the most because, you know, you learn how to control people. So that's it's a useful <laughs> story. Uh, sometimes you need people to help you out do stuff. And uh, don't you want to find a way to appeal to them? Yes. Uh, that was like my second degree that I picked up. So I was doing biology and I was, I was struggling a lot with uh, actually biochemistry. Um, organic chemistry was difficult. That's one that kind of weeds everyone out. And I didn't do well the first time, but then I read a book about like kind of how it works instead of just memorizing stuff. And I did that and I was like, cool, I passed this stuff. I can't do the easy stuff. I can do the hard stuff. And I was just struggling. I was like, I'm not going to get this degree. I don't know. I, I don't know if I can come back and be a doctor. I don't know if I'm smart enough. Like everyone here is 4.0 students. They have these extracurriculars, they have activities. I was like, I'm just like, you know, I have, I have three jobs and I just, you know, I, I'm full-time student. I'm not sure I'm, I'm going to be good enough to do that um, or if I want to, because I feel like I'd be struggling the entire time. And medicine is something that you should probably figure out if you want to do by the time you're a doctor, because uh, you have the responsibility of people's lives in your hands. And that's something that's pretty important. You know, like it, in a kitchen, I mess up maybe at worst case scenario, perhaps I get someone sick, uh, absolute worst. But usually it's just I burn something and then I can eat it or throw it away. In the medical situation, if you mess up, it could be a lot more you know, extreme. So, so I make, I'm clumsy. Uh, thus, I don't think medicine was the right fit for me uh, because uh, I have a lot of angry people and lawsuits on me currently, I think. So, uh, <laughs> and there's no, there's no, uh, I mean, there's no top doctor. I mean, is, is, there, is there a top doctor? I don't, I'm, not, I'm not sure, but <laughs> that would be an interesting one. That'd be, that'd be a good, good pitch actually. Um, so yeah, basically after I taken the test, I was like, I don't have anything else to do, but I realized that, um, my roommates were like, there's something wrong with you, dude. Like you work at Sur La Table now. You worked at your brother's restaurant. Uh, my brother's restaurant closed down after a year and I really enjoyed it. I worked in front of the house actually. So I was always a front of the house person. Um, I liked that I could uh, make a person's day better. Like that was the coolest experience about being in front of the house is through simple conversation and showing your offerings or listening to what they had to say. You might have some items in your menu or some drinks that could uh, make someone's, like it's a memorable night for them. It's not even about the food or drink at necessarily at that point. It's they're there with friends and they're having a good time and everything kind of dissolves away. And that hooked me. I was like, wow, I'm actually like, I'm kind of reserved and quiet overall, but being able to talk to people and say, hey, I'm going to tell you I have this thing and then they eat it and they enjoy it and they go, man, now I have a memory. Like that's something that uh, I haven't experienced a lot of before. And it was really nice to, to genuinely make an impact in people's lives. And I was like, this is what I got to do. But then I looked in the kitchen. I was like, that's cool. They were playing with fire and knives. Like, you know, my mom said, don't play with fire and knives, guns. And yeah. sorry, I do all three of those. So, you know, it was, it was one of those things. Like it was a, it's a big no-no from the parents. And I was like, Let's just see what, what happens. I'm also like, you know, I, I'm genuinely curious how they produce this food because uh, it was a from scratch kitchen. And I was like, I always thought that, you know, in order to make macaroni and cheese, you buy a pot, you know, you buy the box and you have the powder. And then yeah. if, you're, if, you're, if you're a chef, you know, you buy something, some frozen food and you throw it in there and you mix it in. And you're like, now I've doctored it up. Now I'm a chef. Right. I didn't realize there was so many steps to it. And I, I was really hooked on that because everything like the recipe is like a it's like a procedure. You follow it and you create this thing and people eat it. And I noticed like that kind of stuck with me. So I started buying cookbooks like relentlessly everything that i had i had all the money that i had and so i i bought used uh academic textbooks like used old stuff because i didn't want to spend like 300 bucks on the books but i'd spend like a thousand dollars on cookbooks i wouldn't go to concerts or anything i'd just buy like i bought knives i bought a uh, stob cookware like all those things like, i was like i want to see what's so cool about these things and i started with like you know i had a clay pot and a foil pan those are the two pieces of cookware that i started off with so by the time i got out of college i worked at sur la tabla when i quit that job i was actually one of the top five customers <laughs> And that was just like a percent <laughs> discount. Like they had to send me stuff because they're like, "Dang, man, you bought so much stuff." I was like, "I basically bought out the entire store over the course of oh my, my time." Amazing, you were putting that store discount to use. I hope. Oh, I definitely, definitely utilized it. And you know, I'm uh, just I mean, on off the record. So, so back in the day, uh, there were some uh, some looser policies, so you could get some discounts on electronics somehow. And that was that was a kicker. You're like, sweet. I can get a Vitamix for 200 bucks. No, you know, I, I, that, why wouldn't you want that? You know? <laughs> oh my God. I love it. I, that's fantastic. I will, I, I have bought a couple of, um, like textbooks, uh, culinary textbooks off the internet myself, off Amazon, just, um, they're, they're great resources and you can they get are. them pretty cheap if you get them a couple of years old. Yeah. And we have a store called like, uh, we have a bunch of local places in Columbus. So we have a half price books, which is everything's half off. There's a place called Bookloft, which is just like, there's corridors and corridors of these books that you'd never find anywhere else. And actually our library system. So the Columbus library, you can uh, get a book from any branch. You just get online and you type in, I want this book and they will send it to that branch and you can just have it for as long as you need. It's that so cool. Automatically, you can do that with DVDs too. So like CDs, all the stuff. So like literally the library is just there. So that was a very useful resource because um, like 
like there's a queue of like you can have like 25 books and i'd always be pushing that 25 number and like my room's like dude you have them in the bathroom you have them like underneath the sink like wh why are there books everywhere like where are your textbooks what's wrong with you why why are there cooking textbooks all over the house <laughs> and they said that and then i said this back to them i was like am i making you guys free food or not and they're like yeah you're right you know what can we say at this point I'm like yeah you are making us food so ultimately yeah i was like, who who has the issue here you know i'm, I'm contributing with my with my problem uh so by the time i got done i was just like man i really like cooking but it's not a it's not a feasible career path you know uh it culturally uh, no there was no there was no way that i could think of a way that i could say that i can do this for my life there was like it was not an option but i was just like i can't not do something with all this either so i'm not really sure what i can do and part of it was like hey why don't you go be like a psychologist i want you to go to get a phd or something and then then after my parents like after you have money then go ahead and do whatever you want to you know there's no way you're going to be able to make money uh to exist in the industry and you know they were right about that part, but uh, but it was still like yeah, um, it's a work in progress. But uh, that was uh, that was not the reason, I guess. Uh, I think like with things and passion that you have in life, it's like if I was going to do this job for my entire life, um, I wanted it to be something that I enjoy and something that makes connections. And we were talking earlier about like you said, hey, I, I don't understand the language, but you still want to try the food, right? So mm -hmm. how better to appreciate a culture than to enjoy its food without having any idea of the language? I think that's like something that's really cool about food that you can't really find with a lot of other things uh, in society. So that's that's why, that's why I do it, right? Yeah, I, I think that honestly, that's one of the things that draws me to, to food, to, to, to winemaking, beer, like all these things that bring people together. Language is not, you know, a barrier when you're sitting around the table with someone enjoying a meal. Um, yeah which is why food is, is such an amazing and wonderful thing. Yeah, um, we have this uh, thing that I do, actually, whenever we go, we have a local Korean restaurant. And when you come, I'll take you over there. It's, it's open until three, basically, every day. So it. it's it's open when we're done with, with our shift. So it's one of the few places that is available. And every time I take someone new there, because I think it's when I take my staff, I was like, we don't just go to, like, bars and stuff. Like, it's, it's fun. It's okay. But to go to, like, a, a Korean restaurant or, you know, something that's a uh, – ethnically relevant like it's, it's it's awesome to have a good time and then be like wow i just learned something about culture so i teach them about like the korean drinking culture and how the youngest has to pour for the old it's it's a uh, it's like an entire they're like is this a game i was like no this is serious and then by the end of it after like four bottles of soju they got it it's, they, it's down it's anything to do it with their eyes closed. they're always pouring they're like now also i like soju so you know this, this it's a uh, it's a lot of fun to to have moments like that and that's like it doesn't matter who you are or where you come from it's uh you're bonding with friends and you're having a good time and uh you know sharing a meal and some drinks together like what what else do you want <laughs> Well, and, and and since you mentioned just now one of your favorite restaurants in Columbus, and I feel like you were like kind of Mr. Ohio, made the Buckeye in episode two or three of Top <laughs> Chef um, uh, this season. Um, what is the, you know, I, I've probably been to Ohio when I was seven years old, so it's, I, I don't think that I have a good representation of it in my head. Tell us about like the food scene there. You're mentioning like some, you know, you're not just mentioning white people food that I picture in like Columbus. You're mentioning like some cool ethnic stuff and some things that you obviously love. Um, tell us, tell just tell us a little bit about it. Sure. I mean, it's hard to sum down one word, but I mean, that's, uh, it was also difficult because I get the kind of question a lot at, at the restaurant or about me personally, like, what kind of food do you make? And I have no other answer than like, I was born in Columbus, Ohio, and it might not be what you would expect. It's not like Applebee's food. Like it's my <laughs> mom made Bengali food in Columbus, Ohio. I had my first like Sichuan food in Columbus, Ohio. I had Ethiopian food in Columbus, Ohio. I had Somali food in Columbus, Ohio. Like I had Vietnamese food. All of these stuff is, is from Columbus. It may be in a strip mall here or there, but it was all people like immigrants that had come that said, Hey, I'm going to take a chance and open up a restaurant in this nondescript location and people show up. And I think that's the cool thing about Columbus is, uh, because Ohio is big also. We have Cleveland, Cincinnati. We have Dayton. Um, you know, you have Chillicothe, which is supposed to be the capital of Ohio. There's a, it's a, it's a biggish area. Uh, Columbus is obviously the biggest population-wise, and I, I think we're in the top 10 population cities. I'm not sure. We're, we're up there for sure. Uh, so there is a lot of people, and there's uh, incoming population because we also have, like, L Brands is here, you know, limited company, Victoria's Secret. Um, you know, we have Nationwide Insurance. There's a lot of big, bigger companies and startups that are, that are, that are here. Uh, so people are continuously coming, but they're coming from all different cultures. And uh, because there's no baseline, like, you know, if you look historically, you could say, yeah, Ohio is Johnny Marzetti came from Ohio. Yeah, because that was Marzetti company came from there and they made a dish. You can say that's Ohio culture. But it seems like uh, the coolest thing about Columbus specifically is no one's like this one dish is uh, uniquely Columbus and no one else can attest to it. It's a kind of like evolving thing. So, yeah, it was like uh, that is the, the Columbus scene is uh, there is not like, hey, I can go and have seven of these exact same restaurants across the block. It's uh, there's a lot of different things. You just have to look a little bit like I found a lot of really thing, interesting things in pockets. And again, they were there were people that uh, just wanted to share uh, their culture with the world. And that's cool that you can do that 
almost anywhere in Columbus because there's still places that are affordable. Uh, they might be in a strip mall or another part of town, but it's worth the drive and people show up now, which is really cool. Like you can ask someone to drive. I was up in uh, Delaware, Ohio, which is 35, 35 minutes. Uh, I think it was like 20 miles north of Columbus. And we were doing some interesting stuff up there and people would drive all the way up there and come and visit us when we were up there. So it was, it's cool to see that people actually have support for whatever. Uh, they just say that if this is passion and it's good, uh, it can, it can have some, some traction to it. Um, I think that's like, that's maybe Columbus cuisine. It's not like, Hey, again, like the Buckeye is the Buckeye is an Ohio thing and the Ohio state university is in Columbus. So yes, a Buckeye is going to make an appearance, but you know, you know, I just, I yeah, had, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's had to be forever the Buckeye guy. Yeah, I know. It's, it's funny how that works out right. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, I had to, the irony of that entire thing was, so when I walked in, I, I guess if we're transitioning a little bit into the, into some of the stuff that happened during Dom yes, Jeff, that I can talk about, cause this, this is already yeah. over. Is, I, when I was like, look, I know what my background is. I am not going to be the science guy that uses liquid nitrogen. And I'm not going to make a Buckeye ever. And, and, then, and then what did I do? Both, both of it. I was like, God, of course, <laughs> this is, this is a representation of both, but, but it, you know, you shouldn't be afraid. But you of, also know. won ten thousand dollars for that challenge. I did. I did. So yeah. So for those of y'all, and I, I'm guessing most of the people probably listening to this episode have been following along with Top Chef. So that was, I don't know, episode three, maybe. I'm, I'm they're running together, but you got it. Yeah. yeah, it was episode three. You're right on. Yeah, he won the. It was a quick fire challenge. That was the the Talenti Gelato episode. Yeah. I think. Uh, yeah. That was that was one of the scariest moments of my entire life because I. I had previously not done so great, and then it was like a quick fire. I was like, "How do I do this? How do I do this?" And they're like, "Ice cream." And I was like, "Oh, I like ice cream a lot." <laughs> like that was basically it was just like my mind changed from like I'm gonna compete to like I I'm gonna make some really cool ice cream in in 30 minutes because I I've, I've, I'm a very a procrastinating sort of person. So I, <laughs> I I'm actually I was like, "Wait, I'm actually not bad at this. This is actually how I live my life." Well, why am I looking at it as some some crazy thing? And it's like most of the time, like if it's a quick fire, you're not usually going home. So why not just show your stuff? Like what's the uh, What's the harm in that? If they say it's bad, then you still have the elimination. But if it's a quick fire and you do good, you can only do, I think you can only do well if you actually just like, you do just throw yourself out there during those quick fires. Yeah. So, okay. So like now that we've transitioned to like Top Chef uh, talk, and as I said, I did not want this to be the focus of this interview. We can all, you know, watch you on Top Chef, look at the Bravo app, get all the behind the scenes that we want. Wanted to hear more about your story, but let's just talk about this experience a little bit as a whole like what it's like what would you like like what would you tell a chef that's been that, that is maybe going to be on top chef that has gotten the email like okay we're maybe in like what kind of an experience did you have like i know that's such a broad question but just tell us a little bit about it the things you can say sure i mean i will say that um if it wasn't for that i wouldn't be talking to you right now because you know i met showed it through there and uh, we got along and it was interesting because uh I know the Columbus scene and we're all kind of cool and we hang out, but I don't really get a chance to travel outside. Um, nowadays, as like a working chef, if you have an option is you can do this and expand and go across, or you can try and spend and hone in all your time at one spot before you expand or decide what to do next. And I've spent the last like close to eight years just in one spot. Like, and I've never like jumped from restaurant to restaurant. I've tried to focus in and, and learn. So given that I give it all my, everything that I can. So I don't really get a chance like to, to travel often. So when this opportunity came, I, not only was I traveling, but I was competing against a bunch of chefs that I'd never met my entire life. So I was terrified. I was like, oh, you know, I'm from Columbus, Ohio. I'm not from Manhattan, New York. I'm not from like, a, you know, from Portland. I'm not from these cities that have this, this sort of background um, where they have a higher chance of having more experience in, in higher end restaurants um, in competition settings. Typically, the high pressure is on anyway. So from my time at WD Mission, even it was a uh, very hustle. It's not like, Hey, everything's just played. It's, you got to rush to get it done. If people have been doing that their entire lives, I assume they'd be better. And usually an attitude comes along with that. Uh, when, when I was cooking in, in New York, it was, there was definitely uh, two, two philosophies. And one of them was, uh, Hey, this is, uh, we're going to kind of look down on you a little bit and we're going to, we're going to make you feel, we're going to break you before we build you back up. And I was like, I was like, I can't, I can't deal with that. You know, uh, my, my, my mom has done that to me enough. My entire, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I was, like, I was like, you can't, you can't break something that's already broken. That was a, that was my, that was my, at some point during, during, uh, during the competition, I was like, no, nah, actually when, when my mom yells at me, it's a lot worse than anything that any, any of you guys could ever do. I, I promise you, you cannot re-experience that, that amount of pain in your life. You're like, Oh, what do I do? I feel, I feel really bad. Uh, <laughs> So good practice on there. Uh, but I, I would suggest that, yeah, it's uh, some of the stuff that I learned was like, yeah, talk to the people around you. Like, don't go in there and be like, I'm not going to talk to anyone because it's uh, the experience itself is so important. Like you talk to so many people. There's so many people that produce this, like that are in the back behind the scenes. And they like, off, you know, they're 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 the, st they're the people that just they try to highlight you. And you're like, you guys should be highlighted. Like you somehow made me look like not as bad as I look in real life. So I don't know. Like, like I'm afraid of like cameras in general. And they made it so comfortable. Um, it was like very 
very much towards the idea of like, hey, we want to showcase uh, you. We think you're pretty cool. And I, I did not think I was cool. Um, I still don't think I'm cool, but they seem to think I'm cool. So. I think a lot of people think cool. Um, as I told you right before this episode, I put something on Instagram that we were doing our interview today, and I got like more responses on Instagram stories than I ever have. So I am wow. like, everyone wants to know what's going on with Abishar. And we're actually, we're going to get into some questions that some fans ask, but we're going to talk a little bit more just about the show for a second before we get into that. Um, I'm just wondering, just for those of us that are huge fans, like, can you tell us, like, for instance, when you guys are in the kitchen doing a quick fire, like, can you tell me how many cameras are on, are in the kitchen with you? I, Can I you- can't because I actually don't know. I'm mean, seriously. They're, they're, it's a you know it's a they're everywhere because it's a it's very like they want us to look really good, so they have them in all the locations. And you just you're actually not focusing or looking at the cameras. Uh, you're what I will tell you is when that clock goes, it goes, and it does not stop until it runs out. There's no pausing of the clock. It's not like a, it's, okay. I, it's not like some oh, other it's, it's not like some other shows where uh, where they're like oh five minutes actually. Let's reset that back to five minutes because uh, this isn't. Oh, I didn't know that was a thing. Okay, all, all I, right. I, actually, I, I'm just uh, I'm just making assumptions. I've never been in a situation <laughs> uh, that, that that's ever happened. I'm just I'm just I don't no no one come after you. Uh, but no, at, in a uh, in 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 Top Chef, it's uh, when the clock stop, starts it starts and it does not stop. And I mean, in the his, in the history you've seen other seasons, there's been emergencies and so it doesn't stop because that is the groundwork. Is this is the rules um, and this is the amount of time you have. So no matter yep. what, when you have 20 minutes, you have 20 minutes. There's no there is no extra second. You can't when it's done. You can't touch your plate. It's it's uh, it's on the dot. So when they put that time pressure, and I have a little bit of background in psychology and judgment and decision making and what time pressure does to people, uh, you really aren't focusing on uh, the camera so much unless they're in your way, and then you just go, "Excuse me, sir," or you just shove them out of the way. No, you're <laughs> good. Uh, they're they're very good. They're, everyone there's a trained professional. Uh, every everyone is like 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 I'm a professional chef. They're professional directors. They're professional camera camera folks. Everyone is just on point. So it's really cool to. Not only work as a, a chef uh, in this in, in this instance, but also to work around so many other professionals who are passionate about their job and passionate about what they're doing. Um, that was really cool to see because, um, like, we all were on the same page, and specifically this year, we all had to be uh, because of COVID. You know, we yeah. we did not get a a normal season. I mean, there's no such thing as a normal season of Top Chef, I suppose, but we got a we got a very very abnormal season. This one season. was definitely different. I mean, I feel like, yeah, that's the thing with Top Chef is that like every season there's something a little different. They may pull someone back. They may do something, you know, when they put Last Chance Kitchen it like there, there's so many different things that they can pull into the mix. Sometimes they eliminate two people like out of nowhere. Right. Like it's just, there's not like a specific formula, but I think that's kind of what makes it so great that it's a really well done show with, with it's with unexpected elements, but they're still following a, a you know a somewhat yeah. of a formula but you kind of hit on one thing i wanted to to chat with you about as you mentioned you know like this wasn't an ordinary season and the cast of chefs this year the contestants um it is very clear through the you know the few of you that i have met and and knowing chef shoda and interacted with you guys um and seeing your relationships how much you genuinely care about and then just seeing how you guys interact online and support each other and there's definitely not been that uh sense of camaraderie and unity in the past um and so like can you just talk a little bit about how special that was yeah i mean it really was because uh usually when they when they pull someone for top chef they're at their peak right they're in the restaurant they're cooking fine dining they've got something down they're in a moment in their lives where they're about to kind of like pop off um and this year we were all at our lowest i mean there's not a single person that i know that was not affected by covid in some way shape or form and as a restaurant person uh you a lot of us some of the some of the restaurants have been shut down. You know, some people had to I had to lay off like ninety five percent of my staff. Like it was not a I was putting food in boxes. You know, it was it was like that's what I that's what we were doing. And it's a lot different than a hey every day we were like we're trying to push to be better and we're gonna find a way to move this specific green one inch to the right so it lines up aesthetically. Like you know, the mindset was completely different uh, this this year than it could have been any other year because we weren't versed. Uh, we weren't completely versed in what we were doing. We were just uh, we had to sw- do a quick pivot back to what we were doing like two years ago or a year ago. Uh, and yeah, we weren't like, Hey, no one was like, man, I'm doing really well. And I'm really successful right now because of, because of the pandemic, like no one was like that. We were all just like, Hey, uh, is there a future for the industry? And we all had this, we had some conversations and we had these conversations. It was like, uh, why are we doing this? Because it also seems kind of selfish, right? Like we're leaving our restaurants during a pandemic to go and do this. But I think the big thing is like, 
it's not one restaurant. It's every restaurant is in this together in the, across the entire country. And we were trying to fight for the future of hospitality. And we have to show that there is a future, right? We need to inspire people to say, hey, cook, do these things. Like, you can't just stop. You know, you, we, we got to keep going because since there's been humanity, there's been restaurants. You know, there's been like food. It's one of those important things. And our job is to share it as much as we can, no matter how hard the circumstances. We got to make it a point to say, hey, maybe maybe we won't do something else. Maybe I won't do something awesome in my life, but maybe the next five people that work with me or for me or whatever, like they can open up five even better restaurants with this as their baseline. Um, and you can't just be like, I, I mean, you can, but I, I think it's a, I think it's a, it was really difficult for us all to, to show up. Uh, certainly uh, it was the longest period of time I've been away from my restaurant since it opened. Uh, honestly, I never left for more than I think I left when I, yeah, when I went to Vietnam, that was like a week, a week and a half, never, never before more than that. And not only that, but I had no access, you know, like you don't have a phone. So it's like you go completely blind. Not only that, but I was also completely short staffed. I had my, you know, two people, three people in the kitchen um, and then uh, the three morning people. And that was it. And one person in the front that was like I was someone that was working the line and then also doing orders and stuff. And now I'm just like, I'm going to leave. I don't know when I'm going to be back. I can't talk to you guys. And it was a moment of like uh, I had the discussion with them. And if any single person said no, then I and I was expecting somebody to say no because I really didn't want to do it. I was scared. I was like, I don't want to be on TV, man. Like I'm not that sort of person. I don't I don't do that thing. I just want to let me just you know continue doing what I'm doing. They're like, you would be an idiot to not do this. My staff was like, if you don't go, we will we will never forgive you. So <coughs> on their with their strange blessing, I was like, oh, so you guys are telling me that that you want me to go. They're like, you better go. And so I went because they asked me to. You know, like that was like the. I, it was a strange, strange point because I, I was really concerned about the, I'm always concerned about the restaurant, but specifically now, I don't know about the future. So I, I left, um, but I, th I think we all think like, yeah, it was, it was a, it was a time that we could say, Hey, let's be part of a, a process and change, or we can be part of the result. And we were always in favor of, Hey, let's, it's never easy to do these things, but let's try. Uh, so that was, that was cool. Um, it was really cool. And then I came back, I even had this thing set aside. Cause you know, like when you work in a restaurant, there's always like we always have financial burdens and stuff that we can't pay off on time sometimes. So I had like an emergency savings account set aside. I pulled some cash and put her in inside of a little corner. And I was like, Hey, if anyone uh, needs this money, uh, just take it. It's fine. Just like, I'm, I'm not going to be able to talk to you. Just take it. It's okay. It'll get you through. I came back and not a single dollar was taken from it. And I was like, what? what? Really? Like, I was like, why don't you do that when I'm here? <laughs> oh my gosh. That's so, that's, that's, that's so great. And so amazing that you had such a supportive staff and, and support system in your restaurant, which I'm not surprised at all. I mean, I hate to play favorites, but I will say you were definitely one of the most lovable from this season, at least to me. Um, I appreciate that. Please tell my mom that. Thank you. I, oh, I, I definitely will. And I hope she's, if she's listening, um, uh, I, I, I hope she is going to hear all these questions that we're about. We're going to go through just a couple. So right before this on Instagram, I asked if people had any questions for you. And as I said, I got more responses to this than any question I've ever gotten on Instagram. And I'm just going to, we're going to take the last like few minutes and just, I'm going to pick a few random ones and, and, and let you chat about them. We're going to pick some silly and we're going to pick some serious. How does that sound? You bad um, you ask and okay. I'll answer. <laughs> All right. The first one, which I would like to know too, if we visit Service Bar, will we be able to talk with you? <laughs> uh, so when Service Bar reopens for dine-in, uh, which again, everyone's asking this question and I, I promise we're working really hard and there's some difficulties nowadays with opening up restaurants and we're, we're, we're working through them one by one. Uh, when it reopens, I'm putting it in a way that I'm going to be able to talk to guests because historically we were always kind of short staffed. So I've never had a chance to go out um, unless someone specifically requested me to come out. Um, and now I see that the guest interaction is a very important part of the experience. I'm learning every day too. So uh, when we reopen, I will certainly be there to talk to people. I'm still just me, you know, maybe <laughs> that, but I'm still abstract. You know, I'm not, I don't feel, view myself as any different. So, <laughs> so, so course, when y'all uh, reopen for dine, is there a date yet for the dine in reopening? Not a specific date, but we are looking, uh, I will say that we are, we're looking very hard uh, at doing some things to, to accommodate all of our guests. And uh, there's some factors I would say, uh, I'm not gonna say date because if I do, then everyone's gonna be held to it. But I would say let's look closer to the end of this year. How about that? We'll say that. Let's no, look closer okay, to the end of this year. To the end of this year. So you guys got so service bar is open only for takeout right now. When they reopen, yes, you can go in. Chef Officer will be around. You can talk with him. Also, um, I'm, I'm there right now too. So if you if you're coming to pick up an order, I'm usually. I mean, I don't know if you want to see me because I don't look as good as I do on TV. I'm like dirty and I'm covered in like flour and you know I, bur <laughs> I got burns and stuff. Uh, you know, it's I, I'm not as charming in real life as they made me. Scene. They made it look really cool. Yes, he is. <laughs> he is very but, but if you want me to come out, I'm just 
yeah, I mean, there's there's only there's only four of us there, so uh, I I will be there if you want to talk to me. I'll come on, talk to you. It's right. not so a if you, pick up, if you pick up from there, you may you may can have a, an Avishar sighting as well. But definitely, yes. he'll be on the floor more when they reopen later this year. Okay. Yes. Next question, which I love. Um, uh, someone wants to know what your favorite Bangladeshi food is. Okay, that's a that's a tough one. It depends on the the season. So we talk about seasonal food, and in, in American culture, seasonal food is like you know fall, spring, summer. In Bangladesh, there's a lot of micro seasons. So there's like monsoon. So when it rains out, you have to have kichiri with like uh, fried eggs. Like there's those those things when it's like the day after you have your rice, you soak and you turn a fermented dish. Like there's different things depending on the mood. But something that I come back to a lot is uh, my mom makes a kosha mangcha with a, it's a goat curry basically, um, and that was like the one of the first memories that I had. Uh, of the dish that I was like, man, I really like this because it was all on the bone and like, you know, they use a whole goat. So you're just kind of sucking on the bones and eating all the parts and there's potatoes. And it's very like, you would imagine goat to taste a certain way, but it does not. So we used to trick people. This is the food that I would actually give to my friends because uh, my friends would come over. And this is the funniest part. When I was growing up, I was like, I just want pizza and, and meatloaf. My friends are like, I just want your mom's food. And they'd sit there with like a gallon of milk, just, just drink the a gallon of milk and just eat it. And they like we eat with our hands, so they'd try eating with their hands, and we were just like, it was like a, it was a, it was a very cool moment to see that that was a. This is when we were like middle school and high school, but uh, my mom's a that and uh, my aunt's uh, my mom my aunt's kachi biryani, so a biryani it, it's a rice dish. So I apologize in advance. Um, uh, <laughs> I, I may I may have made rice a couple times in my life. I don't know, just but times. <laughs> but uh, but not all the times are the best, as you can see. Uh, but uh, biryani is one of those dishes that like uh, it's a celebration dish um, and everyone's got their own recipe. And I remember, so I made this with my mom. And this is before I was actually looking professionally uh, for my cousin, for my cousin's graduation party. We made it for 800 people out of a home kitchen. 800 what? And it was, it was so cool to watch because like there was pots everywhere. There was things that I didn't know that could heat up, heat up stoves. And when it got there, like, again, like this is better food than you get at a wedding at a graduation party. And it was like, what the heck? This is crazy. Uh, we just made it. Uh, we made all these different size pots with different, like everything has a different cook time, but my mom's has done this so many times that it's like, it was just like that. It snapped in. And so like, I took one vessel for myself, but it was uh yeah, we, we made enough for that many people. And it was insane to see, like we brought it in, we wrapped it in towels and took them all through the SUVs. And it was cool to, to I have a lot of memories of that dish specifically that, uh, that is, that is very good. I also like, um, I do like chutki much, which uh, if you're Bengali, you'll know chutki much. Uh, it's a uh, very, uh, we would say there's like levels of uh, when you introduce people to Bengali cuisine, there's stuff that's like, you can give people rice with ghee and like uh, lentils and, and, and a murgi and like a simple chicken curry. And everyone will like that. Then you advance things like instead of a potato, you use like taro root uh, and it's like a starchy potato, but it's, it's better. The texture is different, but the flavor is better. And then you get to like more and higher, higher tiers where you get into fermented things. And the highest, I say one of the higher ones, and this is something my dad has very fond memories of, and I I don't hate. Uh, it's a big acquired taste for a lot of people. Uh, Shukimach is a, it's like a dried fish jerky. It's like sun-dried. Um, and anyone who's had it, uh, it's a very familiar experience. When my parents came to the States, they had to have a garage kitchen too so then they had a garage or an outdoor because if you cook it inside and you have neighbors they're like they'd literally be like it smells like shit it smells like cat food like it smells very very strongly it smells very it's very ammoniated so it definitely does smell urine i guess would be objectively that's what it smells like it definitely does so so whenever you make it like you'd always like cover it or you put it in the side and you're like hey if you guys want it you want the good stuff you go over there you know what i can put it on this table because i'm gonna scare everyone else away but it's uh it's very intense uh very been very good and uh, whenever my parents would go overseas They'd fill an entire suitcase full of it, and um, you know, like you and you wrap and you wrap it like drugs because you don't want the smell to get out. So you wrap it like <laughs> you like I don't know how to wrap drugs. I've never done my internal, but you wrap it with plastic all, all the way, and then then you cover it this way, and then you wrap it with tape all the way, and then you wrap the suitcase with tape because you don't want anyone to tear it open because if that gets out, it smells so bad. So we would get stopped always. Like this is before nine eleven, like all the time because we had the suitcase full of plastic bags of, of tape, and they're like. We're gonna open this up. And my mom's like, "You can open it up, but just be careful." And they're like, "What are you talking about?" Is this? A-? She's like, "No, it's not. It's just be careful." And they open up. They're like, "Okay, then no, that's fine." Like, they smell. They're like, "No, no you're good." You're good. They're just like, "Send it right away." So that was just like, go. "Just go. You're fine." Just yeah, and we'd always like that's we'd always travel with six suitcases because we'd go. We'd take food over there and over there in Bangladesh. It's like, hey, you take over like um, you know, you take a baby formula uh, and candies because people don't get those very often, and then you come back with that. <laughs> that's too much. And that was like the the swap exchange we'd always do. <laughs> I love that. Um, all right, so your mom no, is you know, teaching you how to, how to how to smuggle food into the <laughs> into the country. I love it. I love it so much. Um, let, let's 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 get through a couple more of these. Um, one of our uh, Portland Instagrammers wanted to know how did you like Portland? We love you here, Abishar. 
Invite me back then. I will come back. Um, I, uh, I, I have not been in the Pacific Northwest uh, before. I, I had one of my line cooks that had, had lived there for some time and he kept convincing me. He's like, you, you got to go to Portland. It's really cool. And I, w- I was actually planning on going to Portland, uh, but then COVID hit. So plans stopped to go to Portland. And then somehow I ended up in Portland, right? Uh, and not only did I end up in Portland, but I also ended up in Portland, like in the middle of protests, fires and, uh, and the pandemic. So it was, uh, it was, despite all that it was still very beautiful and i'd like to spend more time like i definitely enjoyed like i when we went to seattle it was really cool to see uh, the culture over there and to see like how supportive people are i've never seen a line of 600 people outside of a door by the way when we did the pop-up i was like what is going why are there yes. so many people what are they they're here for me you're kidding i was like they're here they're i mean doors station that was um just okay and i'll just everyone listening so uh avatar was talking about was it last weekend or the weekend before he was in seattle doing a shoda and avatar go to taku pop-up which was a spoof on white castle and they made these amazing like filet of fish sandwiches and there was a line of people two blocks long to to see these guys and uh, you know, I've lived in Seattle. I lived in Seattle for eight years. I have never seen a line like that to to get into something in Seattle. People people love you guys. That's it was so surprising because like you know I was just melting cheese and burning myself. Like I'm just <laughs> toasting bread, melting cheese, and someone's like, "Ah, the shore." I was like, "What? Wait, they're talking to me?" I'm like, "Oh no, they're gonna they're gonna yell at me about the rice." I'm like, "No, we like you." I was like, "Oh, okay, thank you." <laughs> everyone, everyone loved it, and it was it was so much fun. And since we're chatting Seattle last week, can we give like a little shout out to the State Hotel and Quentin? Yeah, and that Miguel. was amazing. Uh, I've had a great time there. Uh, the hospitality was unparalleled, and like again, like. Hotel food can be good. It can be amazing. But that was one of the times that I that we all sat. We all agreed, right? We just sat there and were like, this is an, an amazing experience. Like, everything about this is great. There's a terrace. The weather was beautiful. We were treated like human beings. Like, it was nice. Like, you know, it was. I felt like I, I felt at home. Like, uh, how often do you go to a hotel and you, sometimes you feel like a guest in someone's house? But I felt like I, I felt like I lived there. It was it was so neat. I could just go and do what I wanted to. People talk to me. It was uh, it was very welcoming. Um, and and yeah, not not pretentious at all, which I think is uh, that's the place that I see guys. So it was it was a great experience, and uh, I I I really feel like in the past few years that the uh, perception of um restaurant hotels has started to shift, and it's just this like obligatory thing that a rest that a hotel has to have with a you know subpar burger and a couple other things on the yeah. menu now we're really starting to see you know i, I you know five ten years ago it's it's really become elevated and and been paris where we had dinner uh, a couple weekends ago in the state hotel is definitely is definitely one of those places but not I, only that but he left me like a, a a mushroom foraging knife in the room that i used to forage a mushroom it was so it was yes. so thoughtful i was like cool yes, uh, so, I thought, so i thought i was i thought i was being clever i was like i'm gonna steal this knife they're not gonna know that i took this knife. <laughs> people don't give gifts early so i was just like i'm gonna steal this knife you know I was oh like, my god i was sure i was not ready for it but <laughs> I was, yeah, yeah not ready but i was yeah blown away floored by the hospitality it's uh it was again like pacific northwest very cool also portland very very cool i, I would like to go back and experience it um outside the uh the uh bounds of uh competition because uh because it yeah. was beautiful but also like your mind when you're doing this is like how do I get this done? What I don't want to go. You know, it's, it's a different mindset for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel like you know, and and we were you were hanging out with Sarah last weekend um, from the show, and I've I had the pleasure since Portland is so close to Seattle of meeting her a few times since the show, and I think that like one of the things that that she wrote that she had said and some of my other friends in Portland that are in the food community have said it's just like a bummer that um you know that's your, you know, for you, your first experience of Portland. And I mean, great that you got to experience it, but um, definitely something worth revisiting when oh, yeah. things yeah. are. I mean, you, you, like I said, uh, you call me, I show up. That's, 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 that's rule. <laughs> <laughs> if I get invited, I usually show up. I'm like, cool, I'm getting invited to something that never happens in my life. So uh, let's go. <laughs> work on getting you back to the pacific northwest um i think i i know seattle loves you and and it sounds like portland loves you too i know you're busy i'm going to ask you just a couple more sure, of, of these questions someone wants to know if you are writing a book anytime soon it's a very interesting question um uh <laughs> i've been i've been perpetually kind of writing a book uh, as, as my life goes along because i like to i like to write um i, I think uh, words have a, a way uh, with making a direct connections to people and if you use them selectively and correctly. And I'd say this as someone that used to write way too much stuff. My ninth grade teacher, she would just take my stuff and put X's on everything. X, 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 X. And that was, uh, oops, my video. Can you still hear me? I can hear you. Your video okay. 
Oh, uh, no, my, my battery died there on my on my camera. So uh, are you cool with just audio for now? We can. Yes, we can cool. hear you. Uh, yeah. Okay, cool. Well, then, yeah, I uh, I have always like enjoyed kind of writing. And that was part of like, we also grew up in the time of like live journal and Zanga and stuff like remember. So <laughs> you'd have to have a way of, of writing some stuff. Um, I do it because I like to share uh, everything that I've learned. I'd, I'd rather people like learn from it and, and not fall through the same mistakes and then benefit from it. So, <laughs> so of course, uh, a book is, is, is in the works. Um, I, I'm still working on it and I still work in the restaurant. So I, it's hard for me to, to give an exact date on when it will be done, but it's uh, definitely something that I considered e even before I went to, uh, went to Portland. Uh, I've seen a lot of interesting stuff in my 34 years of life. Um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> a lot of interesting things happen. And, uh, you know, in worst case scenario, at least it's funny, right? Like what's the worst that could happen? I'm still here. So it's okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. I think I love to read. I mean, again, like you're so lovable and you're so well-spoken. Um, I think that's super cool to know that you, that you write so much. I mean, obviously writing is, is my outlet and, really the only thing that has made me feel normal my whole life. I always feel like I can, I can write out anything that I'm feeling or working on. Um, and that's cool to see that that's a creative outlet for you. I am so glad that computers exist because I can't read my own handwriting. That's a secret. Um, I have the worst <laughs> hand. If you ask anyone that knows me, ask them about my handwriting and they will tell you, I will tell you that I've been practicing to be a doctor my entire life with my handwriting alone because I can't, I can't read anything. Like it's like a prescription. It's just terrible. It's just like slop all over. Um, it's, it's, it's cause I'm thinking so fast. I've, I've been told that it's cause I'm thinking so fast that I can't keep up with my hands. So I feel like I have that same <laughs> I get it. Like brain, my brain moves too fast for me sometimes. Um, that is the excuse that I tell everyone. It's like, I was like, it's not because, uh, you know, I'm messy. It's uh, actually because I'm just thinking too fast. <laughs> I also, I also talk very fast, apparently. That's uh, is that true or false? Uh, you are talk you do talk a little fast, um, but I, I I feel like I also talk pretty fast. I, I I get excited, and I think you get excited, and you're passionate. And we're time efficient. We're trying to just crash as much information in as little time as possible. We don't want to waste people's time, right? Exactly, and you're very articulate. So get more, you know, get more in in that short time. Um, I'm going to ask you one more question, and sure. I'm sorry we can't ask them all, but we're going to wrap up with this one um, from Instagram. Would you compete on Top Chef again in another season? Ooh, that's a that's a that's an interesting one. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I would because uh, like the first time you do it, it's a, it's a lot about learning about yourself. Um, and the entire time that I was there, I was, I was learning myself because honestly, like, uh, you've heard it, but I'm not lying about it. I showed up and I didn't think I was, I should, I belonged there. I was like, why, why do they pick me? This doesn't make any sense. I'm not cool. I'm just, you know, I'm just me. All these people are chefs. I'm just that short. I've just known myself as me for my entire life. And I've never thought that I'd ever qualify. So it was a big thing where it's like, how do I, what do I do now that I'm here? Like, I don't want to go home. Like, you know, I don't, I don't want to confirm or deny like what my, my place here, but I just want to do the best that I can. Right. Um, and it's really hard to do your best when you have when you're in a room with uh, 14 very talented chefs, uh, it's not like 14, like, you know, people that you don't know that have never cooked their entire lives or, you know, like some, some situation like that. It's 14 people that have had established careers and things they've done. Uh, they're all respectable people and they're all good people. It's a lot easier to like, if you hate everyone, then it's a lot easier to be pretty decent in the competition. Cause you're like, Hey, screw everyone else, sabotage them. But my cooking philosophy has always been try and help everyone and try and elevate everyone. Right. Cause if everyone does better, everyone gets better food. If everyone's performing their best in the best dish that day is the best of everyone's best. Then, then it's pretty awesome. Right. Cause it's like sportsmanship at that point. It's not like, Hey, I want to prove that I'm a better chef than you. It's a, Hey, we're all awesome. But today in this challenge, I have a better understanding of these ingredients. And I did this. And I think that was like, that was a, uh, something that I, I was struggling with at the beginning because I, I got in my own way a lot. I was like, I, I, what do I have to, uh, if I get sent home today, what do I have to show before I get sent home? That's like, what's in your mind is like, if I'm going to, cause I, every, every day I was like, I'm going to go home. I'm going to go home today. So what can I, what can I put out? That's like, if I have a chance to speak or uh, represent myself, how am I going to do it? And then eventually I was like, wait, why am I doing that? They already know me. Like everyone, when they selected me for this, they selected me because I was an individual, right? So there, there was a lot of other people. It wasn't just they're like they picked the first fifteen people that showed up. They <laughs> went through a very long, long screening process. So I assume maybe they knew more about me than I knew about me. So because then I realized like I told them everything. Like I was told them everything about my life. You know, it was it was they we all like our family now. Like more or less is uh, it was it was interesting to see that experience and by the end of it, I was like, maybe I should just make my food. Like I'm so tired. Like I I'm so like in my own head. I was, I was like I'm so tired of being stressed out. Maybe I just take a deep breath and go, hey. I actually have done this for a while. Perhaps it's time to compete and cook. And I think uh, if I were to do it again, I would definitely be uh, more on the competition side. Like, I, I, you know, there's so many times that I was like, I should just shove this person aside and use this deep fryer. And I didn't say it once. I was like, everyone's being a fryer. I was like, I, but I didn't do it. I was just like, no, I'll, I'll be nice. But, you know, next time it's like, hey, if I need to get something done, just, you know, respect me. Let me get it done. 
I, we can both work together in this space. I don't have to be like, well, I got it's off limits because I don't want to offend someone. Yeah, it was a lot of that going. Yeah, on. yeah. I mean, I can only imagine the pressure. Um, and obviously, you would learn a lot of things from the first time. And I think, I mean, again, I think you were so wonderful and so lovable on the show. Um, and I lied to you because I said that was the last question, but I have one more, and it is very easy. And I'm going to ask it because it is from my sister, and it is her birthday. So actually, Zara, oh, could birthday. you? Was the question happy birthday? Could you say happy birthday, Colleen? Do you want me to say in uh, English? Oh, here I'm back. Do you want me to say in English, Chinese, or Bengali? In Indian or in Chinese. Junishin Rikwaila, Colleen. Happy birthday, you know? Happy birthday, Colleen. You're awesome. (laughs) It's crazy that I can say. I guess the weirdest thing for me, and this is, I'm sorry to break break this, uh, this thing, is that. I had never imagined my imagined in my life that I could just talk to someone and make their day better. And I do appreciate that. Like, it's so cool to be able to like, I don't know what I've done to deserve that, but it's so nice when like someone's like, Hey, can you say hello or take a picture with me? And you do that. And I I'm like, it's me. It's just not like, I'm not famous. It's me, but to, to have that effect on people, like that is something I can't put into words. That's uh, that's, it's amazing. Well, so, yeah. you bring a lot of joy to a lot of people. And I, again, I've been following you and everything you write is so heartfelt. Um, I did not ask you what her question was yet. Yeah. As I started to talk, <laughs> it is a very easy question. Okay. She just wants to know what your favorite thing is to snack on. Ooh, okay. Uh, <laughs> there's two. Uh, I always have two because I combine stuff. I'm a weirdo like that. Uh, I like uh, one of the things that I can't stop eating is uh, Chicago mixed popcorn. So it's half and half caramel and cheddar popcorn. It's a uh, shake it up and you can buy it at like some stores. But uh, Chicago mix is like, uh, because it's salty and sweet, I just crush. I can crush like a, a Costco size a bag in in a day. It's a disaster. Um, and there's also like a, a local a local uh, chip company actually based on Cincinnati called Grippo, um, and they have like a the seasoning on their chips. It's their chips are actually not that good, but the seasoning on the chips is really good. So you use the chips as seasoning for stuff, and they make this uh, cheese curl. This so it's a Grippo cheese curl. They sell it only in a few places, but it's a it's like a you know like those Cheetos cheese curls. It's like that, but it's seasoned. Yes. Like, spicy barbecue dust basically that's like it's like msg and crack combined uh very very addictive i like this so a lot it's good when it's msg and crack combined it's delicious yes, yes. uh crack illegal crack uh, the crack in the metaphorical sense not like drug crack. <laughs> yeah, that's not good that's not that's not either of those um yeah uh that is like those are those are the stuff that I, I love to snack on i like ice cream a lot um and then um you know like other than that i'm a big junk food person uh it should come as no surprise uh the only way my parents could get me to eat uh when i was growing up was they either like they take rice and they make little balls for me that I just pop in my mouth or they'd give me candy because I would just eat candy or Doritos or, you know, any of those things. I like barbecue seasoning a lot though. So. Delicious. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, yeah. I love I, good my stuff. entire life. I was told there's nothing wrong with it until like, you know, until Taco Bell's like, Hey, we're going to fly you to Taco Bell. And I was like, okay, so my love of Taco Bell is not bad. You know, like it's not a terrible <laughs> thing. <laughs> Oh my gosh, Avishar, thank you so much for taking the time. This was so much fun. I feel like I could talk to you for another hour, but I will not take up any more of your time. Um, thank you. Thank you so, so much. I, I super appreciate it. Um, real quick, just give us the, the quick rundown of where, you know, service bar where people can find you, Middle West Spirits, um, reopening, just to all that, your little quick elevator pitch. Sure. I mean, the elevator pitches. If you want to come visit me, I'm at Service Bar. I've been there for the last eight years. We are attached to Middle West Spirits, a grain to glass distillery. That is the first distillery to second one to open since Prohibition in Columbus, Ohio. We make our spirits uh, just like I make my food. It's grain to glass. Uh, everything is made with softer winter wheat. We believe in the terroir of liquor, and we think that people should should enjoy liquor more. Like uh, you know, like wine and beer is having a movement, and I don't think there's a reason that uh, people can't get back to distilling. You know, there's some some things going on in, in life. And I think it's, it's neat to have, have, have that sort of heritage of distillation that's been around in Europe and stuff for a while. Uh, that's the base of the company, uh, Service Bar's extension of that. And we're looking to expand everything in every direction uh, because people seem to like it, you know? And that's the, the hardest thing for us is we tried to make a career out of our passion and we hope it works out. You know, we, we try and invest the best in it and then we just, you know, we'd rather know that we tried doing our best and we always try to do our best. So we're going to continue to try and do our best the next few years and add a few more offerings for all of our guests and uh, come and visit us. We're very small still. Uh, there's like eight to 10 of us total. And we love to see people. Uh, we haven't seen people for a while. So uh, yeah, it'd be, it'd be nice to, to have conversations again. Uh, trust us, like our, our restaurant family has become family because we see each other more than our own families. So uh, I think we have to go through like some sort of like a uh, like speech therapist because we're just we're just like, 
we we automatically know how to finish other sentences and stuff. And so when we're good in public, it's like I don't know if I'm going to be okay in public again. <laughs> so we're, we're, we're get through. But well, we're, I'm excited we're, about being around people. Yeah, well, for sure. <laughs> um, well, well, so yeah, so you can see Avishar, and you you can you know go pick up some food. Maybe you'll maybe you'll get to chat with them. Other than that, Source Bar is going to be reopening like later this year. Yeah, uh, we're trying our best to open later this year. And also, um, if you have any questions, I'm pretty approachable i do have a lot of messages in my inbox nowadays on on instagram but uh i do <laughs> i do read them and i eventually i promise i will eventually get to them i just don't have a lot of time uh sundays and mondays are my, are my time to do those things and I, I i i promise that i see them and i i do appreciate that because uh when i started uh cooking it was very hard for me to reach out to people no one would ever get back to me and i'm trying to make it a point to not do that to anyone else because uh you never really know how how you can make a positive impact in people's lives and if there's anything that i hope i can do with this entire experience is uh you know make people's lives a little bit better that'd be nice right oh my god that would be so nice and i think that's the perfect note to end this on you guys can follow him on instagram at at avishar um i'll put links and everything to where to his stuff to the to, to middle west spirits mm -hmm. to to the restaurant so you guys can follow it there when we publish this episode thank you guys so much for listening um chef avishar thank you so much for being here today yeah, thanks for hosting me and uh, enjoying a, a drink with me this uh, this fine evening or what time is it over there is it morning or oh, <laughs> but i had that martini so i feel like it's later <laughs> yeah yeah that's you know they, they say it's 3 45 somewhere at all times right <laughs> that's right and so west spirits too last minute plug for them get you some gin and make you a little martini if you want a little uh happy afternoon I would, for sure I would and thank you so much of avishar you guys thanks for listening um a great episode number six and we'll see you next week thank you so much see you. thanks so much guys